welcome to TTM Cast, your sports collectibles podcast, sponsored by SportsCardForum.com, the ultimate in sports card trading and discussion, and sponsored by TheTroveSportsDen.com. Come and hang out and chat with baseball pros. And sponsored by Diamond Service Grading, fast, accurate, transparent card grading for today's collectors. And now, here's our host, Jeff Baker. Hello, everybody, and welcome to TTM Caster Sports Collectibles Podcast, where we talk TTM cards, autographs, collecting, and a whole lot more. It is Season 3, Episode 43. It is October 31st. Happy Halloween to everyone. You are listening to the nationally ranked sports card podcast, and I am your host, Jeff Baker, and I'm joined, as always, by Mr. TTM himself, Mr. Drew Pelto. Welcome, welcome, Drew. Hey, good to be on once again and get another episode going. Drew, we just th- flew through uh, October. The weather's getting cold up here in the Northeast. I don't know how it's doing in Dallas, but it's pouring rain out here today, and it's just been god-awful miserable. And fall, fall is here. We had like a hurricane slash, I don't know, microburst the other day, and like 4,000, 400,000 people, no power. And it, oh, it's just been a, a, a tough week weather-wise, but you know, when the weather stinks, you know what? You can ha- ha- to hang in and organize cards and be productive. And, uh, you know, I- I've been, have been watching the World Series. I've been watching it a little bit. Yeah, whenever I can. Saw last night's, saw the uh, saw game three there with the uh, pitcher's duel pretty much all the way through that one. But, yeah, that was a pretty good one. Yeah, that was a good game last night. I'm really surprised that anyone's been able to hold down the Astros. Uh, they, I mean, they killed the Red Sox and uh, – Yordan Alvarez is just awesome in that series, but he hasn't done much yet. But I don't, I, you know, I think the I think the Astros are going to come back. I this both teams just don't have any pitching for the next two games, so I'm, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. It's been a a good good series, and the crowd, the Braves crowd, was really into it last night. Don't you think? Definitely were. Yeah, I mean, you could hear them all throughout the game, and. Going back to what you just said a minute ago there about the Astros coming back, the uh, website 538 that does all sorts of great analysis and polling and all that kind of stuff, they have that series as going into it, I think, and at the very least, I know after game two, they had as a total 50-50 coin flip that that could go really either way. They did not have any edge at all. So we could be in for a really great uh, next uh, possibly as many as four more games. Yeah, I think so. The, the Braves have been surprised. I don't you know, I, as we talked, a couple weeks ago, I don't really follow the National League that much. Uh, you know, I know I know the Astros really well, but um, the Braves have surprised me on how tough they are. There's a they they have a solid lineup, a lot of tough outs on that team, and they, they don't give up. They're you know even you know guy Dan Dan Swanson who's supposed to be a disappointment. He's he's a he's a hell of a player. I think they just have a I think they just have a lot of good good guys. Austin Riley never mm-hmm. you know I didn't know much about him and. He, he battles and there's not, not too many easy outs on that in that lineup. And the crazy thing is they're doing this all without Ronald Acuna Jr. in the lineup as well. I mean, you put him in there, it's like, whoa, this, uh, they could be building something here for a couple several years here. Yeah. I mean, pitching is the key, right? But they both, both teams uh, built bullpens and that was uh, the Red Sox shortcoming and to an extent, I think the Dodgers shortcoming, um, you know, the bullpens didn't, didn't hold up and these guys, um, their bullpens, they built great bullpens. And, you know, you need, you need to bring in guys that can strike people out. And um, the Red Sox failed to do that. And I think the Dodgers did too. And I think they relied on Kelsey Jansen a lot. And, uh, you know, I think uh, Joe Kelly getting hurt for the Dodgers hurt them. 
So um, it's, it's great. I, at World Series time, we still have a couple. We still have about probably a week's worth of games left. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, with, other than other than staying up late and watching these games, <laughs> it's been fun. So we got a great show for you guys uh, this week. You know, I want to thank everyone for for listening every week. Please. Let uh, your friends know what we're doing. If you're in, into collecting, you have friends that are into collecting, let them know that what we're talking about, uh, the, the show continues to grow. This week, we had the uh, chance to talk with Kurt Christensen. Kurt is a uh, unopened vintage wax expert. And we talked to him all about uh, what to look for in vintage wax, how to spot um, wax packs that have been opened, how, how to spot uh, fakes, how to um, what to look for, look, look, what to look for. Uh, we talk about some of his vintage collection and it's really kind of education. I, I really love the, the vintage wax. Are you a vintage wax guy, Drew? Um, not to like the, not to like that serious of an amount, but I do love, you know, finding any kind of like junk era boxes and breaking them and stuff. And eventually I would like to try to get as many tops packs as I can and open one of every single series to go with this kind of book idea that I had at one point. And when I finally have a reason to go and update that and everything, then I'd like to be able to try to open a pack of everything that I can possibly get my hands on at a decent price then and go with that. Yeah. Well, he, Kirk, Kirk's the kind of guy that um, doesn't open them. Yeah. <laughs> he, he buys them and collects them, but he does have a company called vintage uh, ripping vintage wax where people can uh, rip mostly stuff from the, uh, 90s, you know, 90s uh, football and basketball and stuff, and uh, you can get involved in, um, you know, what they call pack breaks. He has a company that called Ripping Vintage Wax as well, and we talk about that. But he is a collector, and he has some awesome stuff in his collection, and he is probably one of the top two people in in the the wax field. So um, we have a great interview coming up with Kurt uh, next week. We had uh, I, I I talked to this gentleman yesterday, actually. Uh, he's a friend of Drew's. He's a TTM collector. His name's Aaron Linton. He Linton, sorry. He is Littleton. Uh, Littleton. Littleton, sorry. Yeah. He is from uh, D- Dallas, Texas area, and uh, we we talked to Aaron and talk about, about uh, collecting and import person autograph. And that'll be next week. That'll be next Sunday, uh, November seventh. We have our regular segments, as always. We have Baker's Dozen, we have Making the Grade, we have Stamp of Approval, we have the Vern Rap Minute, and then we review our returns. And I've had a, I've had a really good week in returns. I actually got six returns yesterday, which is uh, harkens back to the old days when I used to get a lot of returns. So if I, I had a good week in returns. If you want to send us feedback, questions, comments, you want to just tell Drew how good he is, you want to tell me how bad I do with my picks, Send it to our text line at 978-729-0662, or you can email us. What's the email address, Drew? That would be ttmcast at yahoo.com. That's right. So send us an email or uh, send us a a feedback on our text line. Uh, We have a a great show coming up, and uh, here's our first segment. It's Baker's Dozen. Well, Baker's Dozen is a summary, a new summary of kind of what's been going on in the hobby. And as always, uh, it's been a busy week. A lot of things going on. Uh, some uh, news in terms of deals struck, some uh, shows coming up, some new releases, and, and some other uh, another record uh, high for uh, collectibles. So there's all sorts of stuff. First, uh, some good news, I, I think, for the hobby. Um, you know, Fanatics is not going to be the only guy. In, in the room producing cards uh, in the future. 
our, our friends at Upper Deck have uh, teamed up with the NHL Players Association and the NHL, and they will be keeping hockey, which is good news, I think, for everyone. Competition is great. Diversity is great. And, uh, you know, Upper Deck has kind of found their niche with hockey, and I think it's good for, for collectors, and I think it's good for um, Upper Deck. What do you think, Drew? Yeah, um, when I first joined Panini, I was actually brought in to work on their hockey stuff. So I really enjoyed doing that. A lot of collectors seem to love Panini stuff. Then we kind of got the rug pulled out from under us there after that. So I'd like to get the deal back with Panini. I think a lot of collectors would too. But like you said, at least it's not fanatics only doing everything. So at least it's keeping a little bit of competition, a little bit of variety in there. So I can't fault them too much for that, at least. Cool. And then Panini, your, your friends at Panini... Uh, they struck a deal with the WWE, which is a worldwide uh, wrestling entertainment. They're the, the wrestling guys, mm-hmm. Vince McMahon and his crew. They have a deal to start moving uh, a trading card licenses license beginning in 2022 from Tops, which, uh, you know, Tops is the things are kind of falling by the wayside for Tops there. They're losing baseball. They're now they've lost basketball. They've lost, you know, they're not doing football. They can't do football anymore. And now they're not going to be able to do WWE. And I think tops other than Star Wars, right? What else do they, what else are they going to have? They may, to? they may have a little bit of soccer in there. I'm not sure. I know they had, I think champions league and maybe MLS recently, but I'm not sure if they have those deals now or not. So yeah, they're, uh, they're, they're not looking good right now. That's yeah. Shock. Yeah, I mean, I think they're right, right for the taking. I think, I think, uh, Fanatics is going to come in and just buy their, buy their brand, if you will, and buy their expertise. But, um, you know what? It, it might not be the the death nail for, for them, but it's it's getting there. There's mm-hmm. the, there's not much le- left out there. I mean, what you know, what are they going to do? Are they going to do Big Bang Theory? And you know, <laughs> you know, I mean, they in the back in the day they used to do Mork and Mindy and Happy Days and Charlie's Angels and you know, is that what Tops is going to turn turn into? We, I, I don't know. The shoe's on the other foot now from when you look back 50 years ago when they were the ones aggressively protecting their ability to present cards. And now it's like, oh, hey, interesting. Now you guys know how it feels for or how it felt for uh, Donruss and Fleer during those years. Yep. All right. Well, let, Drew, let's play. Let's make a deal, okay? All right. You're sitting in the, you're sitting in the stands at, at your favorite football uh, stadium. And uh, there's a touchdown pass thrown, and the wide receiver comes up. You're wearing his shirt. He, he hands you the ball. And all of a sudden, you realize, I'm holding on to Tom Brady's 600th touchdown pass. Mm-hmm. What do you do with it? Depends on what they're offering me to give it back and where it's going to go to as well. I mean, if it's, it's going to go somewhere like whether it's the Hall of Fame, whether it's to the team, whether it's to Brady himself. I'd, I'd hold out for a pretty nice payday on something like that. I mean, right, I don't think 600 is quite as big as like 500 would be, but still, it's still a milestone. This gentleman uh, was, um, he's, I think he's 27 or 29 years old. He is a doctor. He is a season ticket holder. Um, he is a Buck, Bucks fan. I don't know if he's a new Bucks fan because the, the, there's not many reasons to be a, a Bucks fan, Bucks fan before this year, but um Initially, he was offered a thousand dollar team uh, gift stick, team store gift certificate, season tickets for one year. Uh, Mike Evans offered him a game used jersey and a set of game used cleats. And Tom Brady decided to throw in a, a signed uniform and helmet. I don't think they're game used, but 
Um, that's it. And then, uh, and then after the fact, uh, Brady offered him uh, a Bitcoin that's worth about $60,000 today and could go up. But um, they're talking that this ball could be worth anywhere from half a million dollars up. So did he make a good deal? No, not at all. I don't think I so. Think, I mean, I think the uniform and helmet would be decent and the uniform cleats and everything. But only $1,000 to the team's store, season tickets for a year. Eh, I think he could have done better. And Bitcoin, I, I know so it's high, too. but I think it's too volatile for me. So I think so, too, because you can buy a Brady uniform or a signed Brady uniform or helmet for, what, about 1500 to $2,000, right, on Fanatics? Yeah. So that's about four grand. Mike Evans is maybe worth a couple hundred bucks, right? He's, he can't be worth too much. And then the cleats, I don't know what they're worth, $100. And then a thousand dollars in the team store. What the hell are you going to buy for a thousand dollars? You know what I mean? And then season tickets. I don't know what season tickets go for, but I don't know, a couple thousand dollars, right? Depends know. on where they're at. I mean, if your nosebleeds versus you know fifty yard line or something, but. And then sixty k for the for the the Bitcoin, which was nice. So maybe he's got seventy thousand dollars worth of, of of stuff, right? Maybe. Yeah, uh, and that Bitcoin. I mean. That's volatile. That's I. I just, I. I can't get into cryptocurrency myself just yet. But yeah, I don't know. I think he could have done more. I feel like he could have gotten more. I, I think so too. Do you think he? I mean, you don't have a lot of time to think about it, right? Right, right. Basically, Mike Evans gives him the ball, and two minutes later, the 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 guys there saying, "I want, we want the ball. Brady wants the ball. We want the ball mm-hmm. back. What are you going to do?" Yeah, I would have held. I would have held on to it. Yeah. I would I, I would have held on to it. I, I would have waited, but uh, make him sweat a little bit and see if he'll offer you more. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I would like to have it in my possession for 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 more than a, uh, a minute. Yeah, <laughs> to, to, to to think about it, and uh, you know, it is part. It is history. And is Tom Brady going to get seven hundred touchdown passes? Probably not. Right. So that's a lot. A hundred more touchdowns is a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, if you play, even if you play three or four more years, you know, what do you get? You you don't get, I guess you could get 40 touchdowns a year, right? Maybe. Yeah, I mean, that's 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 got to be, that's like top of, uh, I mean, absolute peak performance right there, though. And I don't think Brady is quite going to get to that point again. But you're talking, you know, somewhere around, I mean, he'll, it would take another, th- yeah, three to four seasons probably to get to up to 700. So, Possible, yes. Likely, no. Not at all. Yeah, I agree. So I think I think he made a bad deal, <laughs> and I, I I think everyone I think everyone, including Tony Romo and and Al Michaels, thought, thought he made a bad deal. He gave he gave it up too quick. But you know, it, it, it's I guess it, you know it's Tom Brady's hands, and and the the world revolves around Tom Brady sometimes, and Tom Brady gets what he wants, right? <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I would just love to even just be in a situation where I can look at that and go, wow, I made a bad deal and come out of that far ahead. No, I know. I know. Yeah. Well, we had a couple of um, releases this week and I just kind of kind of want to review and you. I know, you know, you're really into the top heritage minor league uh, bought a set or, or a release and the uh, hobby box came out and I saw our break on online. Uh, there's two, uh, two on card autos in the, um, release they are um in the 1972 design um mm-hmm. the 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 pictures are kind of eh, i don't know I don't, I don't you know it's mostly headshots it's not 
it's not a it's not a great selection of pictures of these guys and the the minor league teams don't really um you know they don't look great because they're all they're all they're all um long names a lot of them are long names so they don't look great in that font in that right in the they got rid of that font. 3d effect on it and get a roll of stamps and mail it in tops i mean come on that was at least put in the effort on it i mean that was just when i saw it online first i'm like oh god this is bad this is really bad but yeah it didn't i don't maybe it, it'll grow it, on that, me it didn't look good the price point is 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 there at 65 dollars for a box um you know there are there, there's some guys in there i saw uh wander franco's in there and this is there's, there's some some guys um you said you picked up a few packs did you get anything good um nothing really great got um the biggest thing that i was looking for was there is a uh rangers prospect antonio cabello that i was trying to pull his card out of there because he was at the Rangers prospect uh, camp that's been going on this whole week, the prospect development camp. So I was hoping, okay, I could get that signed, be the first one I get signed for the set, but I uh, didn't quite have the luck on that. Um, I did at least pull another guy that we saw in Frisco this year in Justin Foscue, got his card out of there at least. So he should well, be in Frisco what again they next try, year. What were they charging for packs? Um, would you just pick up a bunch of packs at the card store? Yeah, just at the local card shop. It was five a pack, and they wanted, I think it was 75 for a box, but still, that's, you know, reasonable price. Yeah. Uh, did at least pull also the Bobby Witt Jr. in action card. So oh, that's that a nice one. one. And I got, as you mentioned, Wander Franco a minute ago. There's his in action card that I pulled as well. So I will say they at least got the in action cards right on the fonts and everything and making those look original. But yeah, I just, I mean, whenever you get, let me see if I can find a long name here real quick. Yeah, here we go. Got a Tyler Freeman right there. It's just, yeah, yeah it doesn't just, look right it with doesn't the two look rows. Right. Yeah. I mean, I would have liked if they had just gone with just the team name or maybe just the city name or something like that. But there may be some deal or something where they have to have the full name or something like that. I really don't know. So that might affect things a bit, but it just it just feels mailed in. So do they do they have the logos, the the um, minor league logos on there, the, the team logos or no? Uh, yeah, they can use the logos like on the hats there and everything. There's no can, problem. Okay, with but that. Yeah. yeah, they should have it on the card, though, don't you think? I know it, the the design doesn't. Yeah, the design. I mean, logo, but... yeah, the design didn't have the logo at all for seventy-two. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm not really too picky about that at all. I like that they keep as much to the original design as they can. But yeah, just that lack of the 3D text at the top there with the stuff coming off it there at the bottom. Just it feels so lacking to me since I'm so used to the original seventy-two set and the fact they got it pretty much right on the uh, on the heritage set there. To completely yeah. miss the mark on the minor league set, just oh god, that that's gonna be my biggest gripe about this set for, for probably forever, pretty much. Yeah, and it seems rushed. It yeah. seems like it, it was rushed. And thinking of rushed, uh, Tops update set came out, um, and the two the, the glaring thing about this is there's no uh, Chris Bryant or Max Scherzer on their new teams. So uh, I I read a a, re a report that uh, uh, from I forget it was on baseball card chat. I think that they had uh, they had to have the everything in by June to the printer to get these to get these things done uh, out in time um, because of COVID and because of supply problems. Uh, so basically, anything that happened after like June first was didn't didn't get into the the update set, which is kind of a shame because really. That's what we wait for the update set is to get see the our, some of our favorite players on their uh, their new teams. You know, Kyle Schwarber, all these guys that got picked up around um, trade deadline are not on their new teams. So um, 
the, you know, I, I think they did. I, I saw a case break uh, on it. I have. I, I think I might pick up the set or a, or a jumbo box. Um, the cards are good. The card, you know, I like the design. I like this year's design. There's a lot of rookies in there. There's a lot of um, rookie debut cards in there. So all in all, I think they did a better job on the updates than they they did the the Heritage Minor League. And again, I'm looking. I'm really looking forward to the Heritage High Number. It's coming out next month. So um, you know, Tops is is going out with the with a, with a whipper as opposed to a bang. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it's like if your choices are to do it fast or to do it right, you should do it right. And Tops yeah, has missed the mark on both of those. They're doing it fast and, and maybe on the cheap a little as well. So uh, when we talk on the cheap, this one is definitely not on the cheap. We had a new record price for a ticket stub paid. It's uh, Mickey Mantle's um, debut ticket stub from 1951. It was again, it was against the Red Sox and Yankees of the Yankee Stadium. Um, a PSA three graded ticket stub uh, got sold in auction for $141,395, which is wow. Are you a ticket stub guy? Do you, do you collect ticket stubs? Not as much as I'd like to. There's uh, I did hold on to the ticket stub from the very last Cleveland Indians game that I, uh, that they had here down in Texas, went to that and nice. got my stub from that. And there's two others that I was at that I didn't hold on to my ticket stub from. And I wish I had, but I mean, this is like before I was 10 years old, so I didn't really think of it at all. But I was at Nolan Ryan's last career win, which oddly enough happened up in Cleveland. And I had the ticket stubs from it, and somehow they got thrown away at some point. And I also was at Dave Steeb's no-hitter in 1990 in Cleveland Stadium. Didn't even think to hold on to the ticket stubs from that one at all. My dad never thought of it either, and they got thrown out at some point. But I eventually want to find ticket stubs from both of those games. Those are the two biggest ones that I would like to get. So... I'm not a huge ticket stub collector, but if I'm at a game that has some kind of a major milestone, I definitely would start hanging on to them. Yeah, I mean, I have a, a, a box of ticket subs from when I was a kid, so I, I have held on to it. I never really had any milestone games per se. I, I, you know, uh, I never, like, Cali's jumped his 3,000th hit or anything like that. I never saw, I never saw, I've never seen a no-hitter. So, wow. I mean, I've seen plenty on TV, but in person, I've never seen a no-hitter. I've been to playoff games and Celtics games and, and all that kind of stuff. So I have, I have a ton of uh, ticket subs and actually um, did a spreadsheet with all the games and went back and found out the scores of the games and who won and um, did, but, but again, I don't think there's anything that, that, that was awesome that, that happened, but still I, I, I do love ticket subs and it's kind of sad that now, uh, you know, everything's very, everything's virtual. You know, you go to, you get a ticket, it's all on your phone and, um, you know, I don't know if anyone's printing tickets per se nowadays. It was, it's kind of cool that you did get the tickets of the last Indians game. Cause I don't, I don't know other than season tickets, if, if they do, if they are printing tickets for, for uh, day, you know, for the day of the game, I know we're, uh, we're going to a Celtics game in a couple weeks and every, it was all, everything's virtual, you know, we just like, okay, we'll email you the tickets. All right. I can't remember the last time I got tickets, uh, an actual ticket ticket for for an event so it, it, it you know we're we're, we're in the digital, digital age and, and that that continues and then one other um new release coming is um the panini chronicles baseball i just got a uh, panini chronicles uh draft basketball couple boxes i got on target and i i i've been become a big fan of the chronicles i like the chronicle football very much and uh 
I like the, the basketball as well. And I'm going to check out the Chronicle Baseball. If they're $140 for a hobby box, um, you get uh, eight cards per pack, six packs per box. There's three autographs, one memorabilia, six uh, base cards or parallels, and six um, PETG. I don't even know what that is. Base and parallel per box on average. So those must be the special cards, right? Those are the ones that are uh, PETG, I think is like that uh, plasticky kind of stuff, almost uh, that they kind oh, of Oh, well, you can see through them. Yeah, you can yeah, see through I think them. that's yeah. what that is. Well, that, again, those are pretty cool. I like the, I like the uh, Chronicle uh, line, and I, I think they're, they're good. I'm looking forward to seeing the baseball, even though it's, it's Panini. That, you know, I think they, they'll be able to mix it up enough. Um, have you seen those? Have, have you seen those yet? I haven't seen the baseball ones at all. I've done, I worked on, of course, all the college ones and such. And I got to say, as a collector, I love it. I think it's a great idea for products. As uh, working on it from the inside is a nightmare to work on, though. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, it comes out really good. And I think people really are liking it. I know you're a fan of it, too. So it's like, hey, you know, that's cool. As long as it's, as long as it's selling well, as long as it's, you know, maintaining popularity, cool. I'm, I'm with it. One other thing before we close out, um, Baker's does when we get going to our picks is um, I'll be going to the uh, Shriners Auditorium, the, the Greater Boston Baseball Card Show next weekend. It's uh, Friday, November 5th to the 7th. I think I'm going to be going on Saturday, and I think we're going to go down to um, Providence for the Providence Comic Con on Sunday. I know uh, Jerry Mathers and Tony Dow from Leave It to Beaver are going to be there, so I, I'd like to get their autographs. I have I have Jerry Mathers, but actually, I've had Jerry Mathers on the show, but I've never met him face-to-face, so I'd like to get down, go down there and meet him, and my son's a big comic book guy, so we're going to, him and I are going to go to the baseball card show on Saturday, and then we're going to go to the uh, comic-con in providence on sunday so we got two good collecting days coming up uh, next week and, and we'll report back to that and also um this sunday or, or on the 31st i'm going to the patriots alumni event at, at foxborough stadium so um i think there's about 25 former patriots there and i'm going to be getting some in-person autographs i pulled a bunch of cards and i got my uh, Pat patriots helmet so I'll, I'll be getting some i'll be doing a drew pelto and getting some in-person autographs <laughs> <laughs> I'll be dragging. I'll tra- dragging my wife, my wife there. So that's uh, let, let's let's get right into picture. We were uh, we, we're we're half hour hours this uh, our show here, and we're we haven't started talking picks yet. We got a lot of lot of stuff to still talk about. Last week you were you you pulled the skunk here. You you were one and four, uh, a bad week. I was I was three and four. We're still looking for that perfect perfect week. So we can end everyone's misery on this. We are on week eight of the NFL. And uh, our first game, I'll let you go first. We have the Pittsburgh Steelers are at the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns are giving three and a half points. Um, And why don't you go ahead and make your pick? Pardon my homerism, but I can never, ever, for any reason, pick the Steelers over the Browns. I'm going Browns. That's that's my only explanation there. Pick against me if you must. (laughs) All right, I'll, I'll take Pittsburgh to be contrary, and, and I'll take the points. I'll take three and a half. I think it might be a close game, and yeah. I think um, I think Ben is due for a game. He hasn't had a game yet. I think you know Cleveland's defense is good, but I think Ben's due for for a game. The next game is uh, the Titans, who played uh, have been playing really well lately, are at the Indianapolis Colts. The Indianapolis Colts are giving two and a half points. Um, two kind of schizo teams, but they're both kind of on the upswing. I think I'm going to take the Titans in this one. I think the Titans are are um, 
I'm going to come back on this one. How about you? I'm going to agree with you on that. I have the Titans down as my pick here as well. So I'll stick around and stick with that. Okay. I'm going to skip the next game because I'll take that one first. And you can, we'll do, we'll do the Cowboys at the Vikings. Uh, the Vikings are want, getting one and a half points. The Cowboys are coming off a bye. And why don't you make the pick? I got to go with the Cowboys. I mean, they have just, for the most part of the season, they've just been too strong of a team. I think they easily, easily handle the Vikings. I agree with you. I don't, I don't think the, I think the Vikings are a pretender team. I don't think they're, they're, they're truly a good team. Uh, the game, the next game we have, uh, my New England Patriots are at the uh, Chargers. And I heard uh, on Bill Simmons podcast that uh, he's anticipating uh, 50,000 Patriot fans at this game. He wow. thinks it's going to be like a, a, a home game for Patriots fans because the Patriots have, haven't played in LA in a while. Mm-hmm. So the Chargers are giving five points uh, to, to the Patriots. So the Patriots are getting five. Um, I am going to, I think the Chargers are just too good a team for the, for the Patriots. So I'm going to take LA. I hate to go against the, uh, I mean, I've mentioned before the uh, whole West Coast travel and everything like that. And I hate to go against my own logic on this. I'm going to take the Patriots on this one. I think they're going to be able to hold up. I mean, like you said, it's going to be, there's a good chance it's like a home game for them. The Chargers just don't seem to be, I don't know if they've really got, they've really caught up yet with the struggles they had in attendance early on their first year there in LA. But yeah, I think the chart, I think the Pats are going to have a decent showing there. Okay. Well, I hope so. I, I went for the reverse jinx figure. If I pick the Chargers, the Patriots will go in and have a great game. Um, our last game is Monday night. We have the Kansas city chiefs who are in a free fall. A total free fall. They're coming. They're playing uh, the New Jersey, New York Giants in Jersey. In Jersey, uh, the Giants are getting nine and a half points. Um, the Giants have kind of been limping through this, right? They're they're they they had all, all sorts of problems. The wide receiver's been hurt, and uh, Saquon Barkley is hurt, and their offensive line is kind of tattered. And uh, I think the Chiefs are going to finally uh, wake up. Um, how about you? I'll let you, I'll let you make the pick first. I'm with you on that. I'm going to take I, the free fall has to end sometime for Kansas city. They're too good of a team to be looking as bad as they have so far. I have to go with them. That nine and a half points is very tempting, but no, I think they'll be able to, they'll be able to overcome that. Okay. So we got, I'm going to go with Kansas city as well. So we have three same picks, Kansas city, Dallas, and the Titans. We uh, differ on the Patriots and chargers. You've got the pass. I got LA. And we differ on the Cleveland Browns and uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. I get Pittsburgh, you get Cleveland. Well, that wraps up another edition of Baker's Dozen. Next up is Making the Grade. Making the Grade is brought to you by Diamond Service Grading. Fast, accurate, transparent. Diamond Service Grading takes the mystery out of grading. They proudly have the best encapsulation in the industry with an amazing inner sleeve that not only protects your collectible investment, but looks great as well. Easy to submit, quick turnaround. DSG Grading is ready to grade your cards today. Visit dsggrading.com to learn more. Making a grade is a summary of what's been going on in the grading community. It's been kind of quiet this week in terms of grading. Um, I know our friends at um, at CSG will be at the Shriners Auditorium, so I'm looking forward to seeing them uh, next week. Um, just a reminder that our, fr- uh, our, our, our friends at DSG, Diamond Service Grading, they've been a sponsor uh, for the podcast for a while, and they offer a special, uh, unique, five dollar coupon code to just TTMcast listeners so um 
if when you go in and, and check out at DSG Grading, Diamond Service Grading, DSGGrading.com, uh, use the coupon grade code uh, 4HMUGTZG. Uh, you get $5 off every card you grade. There's no limit to it. So you can use it for 100 cards or you can lose, use it for one card. Give them a, give them a try. They're uh, uh, still a, a new company and they've been uh, going gangbusters and having great reviews and, and uh, our, our listeners are doing awesome with them. Uh, that one of the cool things they have is they have a scan of a QR code on the label. You scan the label and gives you a detailed view of why your card got graded uh, and what the grade was. Um, you know, they also have new era labels, which is really cool. Check out DSG, uh, which is Diamond Service Grading at dsggrading.com. And remember, use the $5 coupon code. It is 4-H-M-U-G-T-Z-G. Uh, you don't have to write it down. The code is available on our website as well. And that, lap, that wraps up making the grade for the week. Next up is our TTMcast uh, stamp of approval. I bet you're wondering who earned this week's TTM Cast stamp of approval. TTM Cast stamp approval is uh, something we just put our stamp on. We just things that we like. It can be food. It can be movies. It can be television. It can be collectibles. It can be sports. Drew, I'm going to let you do do yours because yours is a little more serious than mine. <laughs> yours is so has social commentary to it, and mine is just total nonsense. <laughs> Start with the heavy stuff, then go into the fun stuff to end it. I like it. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. My stamp of approval has to go to Kyle Beach, the former Chicago Blackhawks player who admitted this week that he is the player who was uh, at the heart of the uh, Blackhawks abuse scandal that happened a couple, I think it was about 10 years ago or so with him and the video coach. Video coach, of course, you know, went on to another hockey organization, a youth hockey organization this time and ends up abusing a player, gets caught for that. And that's actually. But that one happened up right near my dad's hometown. So that one definitely kind of hits close to home. But a lot of, I mean, just so much respect for Kyle Beach for, you know, standing up and for what he had to go through and all this. I mean, this is a guy who was a former first round pick, 11th overall taken by the Blackhawks. And this completely derailed his career after it. So it's just, I mean, this guy did not deserve to have his career go the way that it has. And it all really started off of there. I actually know a guy who used to coach him in juniors, had nothing but great things to say about him. And this was, I mean, before all that happened. So, you know, to, to have this coach that I trusted his opinion on stuff to say, oh yeah, this guy's gonna be great. This guy's gonna be great. And then he fizzles out. It's like, okay, what, what, what the hell happened there? And this comes out, it's like, okay, that explains it then. But it's just, I mean, it's terrible. I don't know what, what it is about hockey that draws people like that coach, like Graham James to it, who of course, you know, was the guy who was, uh, going all predatory on Sheldon Kennedy and uh, Theo Fleury. And it happens at so many levels all over the country, all over the, possibly even all over the world. I don't know, but it's not the first time. Unfortunately, the way that it's gone, it's probably not gonna be the last time either, but it's just sickening that this is still going on and major props to Kyle Beach for everything he's put up with finally getting some justice on this, hopefully. And hopefully stuff just starts going right for him. Yeah. I mean, just hockey is different because they have juniors, right? So these guys, yeah. they're, what, you know, what, how old are these kids? They're 13, 14, 15 years old when they're going to play in junior hockey leagues and they're, moved, they're going away from home. Uh, it's not like basketball where you play, you know, you're playing at your high school and you might travel here and there, or football where you try, you know, you're, you're on a home team. Um, you know, these guys, if they want to go to the next level, they got to go play juniors, even, even the kids, the U.S. kids. 
they're mm-hmm. going in and they're, they're playing juniors because they want to play against the the best competition and uh, you know it's look what happens with with the gymnastics and the swimming and you know anytime you take these kids away out of their home and expose them to potential uh, abuse right the, the, there's no no full oversight on it and people like that kind of gravitate towards that because that's where they can do their their worst and it's just sad so um you know it's 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 good that it's anytime it's brought to light it's good and uh you know the stuff that happened with the u.s gymnastics has hopefully cleaned that up i know swimming my both my kids were really into swimming and uh you know they were in the u.s swimming they weren't good enough to go make the olympics or anything but you know i i followed that because the hit home and they had the same problems a lot of the problems that they had in gymnastics and hockey is just facing facing that uh, as well you know you don't think because there's no girls involved in hockey as much that it won't happen but it does it's just predators go where where the the easy pickings are and that's exactly where, where the, the kids are, are away so um thank you drew the, uh, you know as i said drew came has a nice uh serious social uh stamp of approval mine is just the opposite mine is total nonsense <laughs> So I, since, since the day I was the little kid, I have been a huge fan of the Rocky and Bullwinkle show. I think it, I, I think it's just funny. I love the fractured fairy tales. I love Sherman and Peabody. I love, I just like, I, I love the stupid stories and they're all available on YouTube and you can watch the full episodes on YouTube. And a lot of times I'll just be sitting here uh, working and I'll have a, the Rocky and Bullwinkle just playing in the background, just listening. I don't even have to watch the, the animation because the animation is just not that great. But just the, the, the dialogue is so funny. And the 60s dialogue is even funnier because they get away with so much stuff mm-hmm. that you they wouldn't even try to get away with now. So, But the, the guys that wrote this wrote it for, for adults knowing full well that the, the adults would be watching it when the kids were with kids when they were watching it and there's a lot of just like really funny inappropriate stuff and uh you know in terms of political correctness there's none they <laughs> so <laughs> i think it's funny i am going to give my stamp of approval to the rocky and Bull, old rocky and bullwinkle show it is total it is nonsense it is available on youtube you can watch all the full episodes on youtube you don't have to watch it in order you just just put it on just listen to the dialogue and i i challenge you to listen to watch a one of those half hour shows and not giggle like three or four times and maybe even have it have have one belly laugh because i'll i'll be less i'll be just sitting there listening to it and they'll say something and i'll have to call my daughter or my son and say come here come here you got to hear what they just said because you're not going to believe that they got away with this in the in the 60s uh, which they could never get away with today. So, guys, Rocky and Bullwinkle. I know it's juvenile, but it's still funny. Did your kids ever watch Animaniacs in the 90s? Oh, yeah. Uh, that's another one. that they, It's not like, you know, like any kind of politically incorrect stuff, but they always put a lot of jokes that only adults would get in there. So much skewering and satiring of, uh, like, political figures and stuff. They had, uh, this one they had with uh, Al Gore as the uh, Al 5000 computer from... Uh, instead of HAL or the HAL 9000 or whatever yeah. from, uh, what it was, uh, Space totally, yeah, Space Odyssey, 2001. Yeah. But uh, they had uh, Al Gore as the voice of it, and that was still one of my favorite jokes they've ever done on there. But it's I love when they can do stuff like that, when you can make a show that's for kids, but you're going to throw in the jokes that only the adults are going to understand too. 
It's always yeah, it, it, Rock and Bull Angle. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. And I agree. Animaniacs is, is another one. They not, not as um. I don't think I think Rock and Bull Angle, a lot of it is unintentional mm-hmm. because because uh, of the time frame because the, you know Animaniacs was what in the eighties right late eighties early nineties. Yeah, early nineties. Yeah, early to mid. Because I remember watching those those with my kids, and, and they, they're funny as well. Some of the stuff they just say in Rock and Boy is like, "There's no way you can get away with that <laughs> nowadays." But so that that wraps up Stanford Pool for the week, uh, and uh, the, you know uh, we we have we always have fun with Stanford Pool. I, I love I love doing that. Next up is our Vern Rap Minute. <laughs> Vern Rat Minute is dedicated to Mr. Vern Rat, who passed away prior to me sending out a TTM request to him. And we do this as a, a service to our fellow TTMers to let them know people that have passed away in the world of celebrity and sports, just so they don't uh, aren't embarrassed like, like I was sending out TTM requests to people who are no longer with us. So and, and in the world of celebrity, Drew, I don't know if you're a, fr- uh, a fan of Friends, but I, I must watch it like three or four of friends episodes every day because it's on Nickelodeon at night. And I just put it on at 1130 or 12 o'clock when I go to bed at night. And <laughs> I usually have it going, but we lost uh, James uh, Michael Taylor, Tyler, who played Gunther. He was actually, I saw uh, a statistic. He was actually on over uh, 50% of the episodes. So he was a, a, certainly a regular for friends. He had uh, cancer and he died. He passed away. He was 59 years old. Um, in the world of entertainment, we also lost uh, Val Basiglio. You might not recognize the name, uh, but Val was the played the father on Saturday Night Fever, the John Travolta movie. He was John Travolta's father. He was on numerous shows in the 70s, in the 80s, and even into the 90s. He was on Quincy. He was on MASH. He was on Sopranos. Uh, you know, a, a character actor uh, through and through, and uh, he was 95 years old. In the world of baseball, we lost a couple. Um, former major league vet players we lost um mike overly you might not recognize the name of mike overly he was a uh, pitcher uh, for the uh, california angels in 1976 he appeared in his 1977 rookie card of tops number 489 and he was uh, featured with lem barker randy larch and greg minton all known uh, ttmers so i've seen a ton of cards out there that um, the three of them signed, but Mike did not sign. Mike uh, lived in uh, Arizona, uh, in Sun City, Arizona. He was 70 years old. And I just don't think he was a TTM. I don't, I, you know, it's it's hard, you know, when you get those multiple cards and you get three of them and then there's one guy that won't sign or, or, or has passed away. So um, it's kind of sad. I know you're, you're work, you work on a lot of multiple cards in your 72 set. And it, it kind of stinks when, when you get that one guy that just isn't a signer or is no longer with us. So we lost Mike Overly. He was a relief pitcher for the Angels in 1976. So I played one year and he was 70 years old. We lost uh, this guy. His name was uh, Tim Thompson, but he also went uh, by the name Charles. And he was a catcher for the Brooklyn Dodgers, the Kansas City A's, and Detroit Tigers. He played from nine, in 1954, and they played from 56 to 58. And he was a pretty good TTM, right? I looked him up. I, I didn't know of him. I didn't. I don't remember him, but I, I, I looked him up on um, on, the, on the internet, and he was a pretty good TTM. So 
Um, he passed away. He actually um, didn't start his major league career until he was 30 years old. So he was, uh, he, he, you know, he stuck to it. And he, he, he got a few years in there um, as a, a major leaguer. Then we lost in the world of football. We lost Freddie Joe Nunn. And Drew will tell you he was a linebacker with the Cardinals and Colts. And Drew never got him in a, in a pack of cards, right, Drew? Oh, yeah, never. Not at all. <laughs> I swear, every pack of 91 Fleer, I think it was, that I opened. I, I think he was in every single one of those packs that I ever bought. I have, you always have those guys, right? You have guys yeah. that, like, you, it doesn't matter what year it is, you just get them. Like, my guy was Don Money. I used to get Don Money in the first pack I bought, the last pack I bought, every other pack I seemed to get Don Money in a pack. And then, um, the guy, the guy from um, Alec Baum from you know the from the Phillies, mm-hmm. he I, it seemed like every pack I bought this year I got an Alex Baum. I don't I don't don't know what happened. He was one of those guys. So Freddie Joe Young, none sorry, was a linebacker for the Cardinals and Colts from '85 to '96. Uh, Freddie was only 59 years old, so uh, we're we're sorry for your loss. And then uh, in the world of basketball. Um, we lost Bob Ferry. Bob was uh, Danny Ferry's dad. He was a, a center forward for the uh, Hawks, um, St. Louis Hawks, maybe, right, Drew? Yeah, it was the St. Louis Hawks. Yep. From 1959 to 1969, the Detroit Pistons and the Washington Bullets, um, who are now the Wizards. And it, it, Bob was um, the Bullets GM at one time. He was Danny Ferry's dad. I'm, I'm not sure if I mentioned that. And he was uh, 84 years old. So um, you know, obviously a famous family. He was, uh, you know, we're celebrating the 75th year of uh, the NBA, and he was part of the 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 great NBA history and way back into the late 50s. So uh, we lost Bob Ferry. He was 84 years old, and I think that wraps up Vern the Vern Rat Minute. We are uh, sorry for everyone's loss. Our condolences out to your friends and family. And next up is our PTM returns. This week's TTM returns are brought to you by Sports Card Forum. Find players' addresses, see who's signing, and more, all for free. SportsCardForum.com, the ultimate in sports card trading and discussion. I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, phrase it for that. I had uh, a Drew Pelto week of returns because they just kept that they just kept coming this week. It was really cool. I got a couple that I need to catch up that I forgot to mention last week, but. I'm going to let you do your returns because I think I have 18 returns this week. All right. Yeah, I'll go through mine here real quick. I had six this week and a little bit of in-person graphing as well. They'll cover very quickly. Uh, First one's up. I actually mentioned it last week that uh, I had them coming in on Saturday and they did indeed arrive with uh, Floyd Wicker and Dave Hannon. Dave Hannon, hockey player, took about a year and a half to get to me, but uh, did come back. Everything signed. Floyd Wicker, opposite end of the spectrum there. I think it was about a week and a half and, uh, Got a duel in there that's going to be going out to Coco LeBoy this week, both uh, former Expos players. I didn't know Coco was still with us. He is. Yeah, he's uh, he actually was. I think he moved back to Puerto Rico and whatever town he was from. I think he actually ended up as like their city, uh, like youth athletics director or something like that. So he did uh, kept at it in sports even after his uh, playing career was over. I always liked those guys when I was a kid, you know, the guys with those names, the Cocos and Tito Fuentes. And I I always loved those. I always loved those guys. Oh yeah. Those are always great. But I've got my, uh, got the 72 high number of LaBoy coming in this week as well. So I'll be able to mail that off along with the uh, wicker duel there from 69. I think it was. Uh, I also got Larry Yellen in this week. Yellen was on the 
early uh, Houston Colts teams there with, uh, I got the Jerry Grody rookie cards signed a couple weeks ago and Yellen was the bottom half of that. So I was able to mail that off and get that one signed. He's a $5 per on his signatures. So uh, worth it there to get that, uh, that dual rookie signed. Um, controversial one. I got Phil Jackson back after about a year and a half waiting time, possibly. And I would say down to the point of probably ghost signed, but for me, it was worth the gamble a year and a half ago. So I got them back at worst. They're going into my hall of fame box. is going to sit there for a while. If I ever get them authenticated someday, great. If I don't, whatever, they're not going anywhere anyways. No, it's funny, Drew is I've seen, um, he, he must be catching up on his, on his yep. mail or somebody is, because I've seen a couple of returns from him and what somebody on another site got one and they asked if, you know, the same thing. I know, you know, we've had heard that ghost that his kid was signing for him and, mm -hmm. um, the guy, one of the, one of the guys, and I can't say he was an expert or anything, but he said, well, I got him in person and the signature kind of matches what I did. So maybe when the, the news came out that he was, that his kid was signing, you know, he was embarrassed and he started signing the stuff, which is possible. I, it gives me hope because I, I sent out one to him, you know, probably right around you did, you know, so I saw that he was signing like, okay, I'll take a shot. I, did. I got a million of these Bill Jackson. NBA hoop cards, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and also, I mean, I the original thing I'd heard was that his kids were helping him with them, which would seem to think, okay, maybe like even if 10% of them are authentic, at least it gives you a chance or something like that. So it's yeah. worth a try. I took, I took the shot. Yeah. Uh, two others I got in just yesterday got Sal Bando in. I showed off the card that I was uh, sending off a couple weeks ago there with, uh, I think it was 1967, if I remember right. It has 69. Him. 69. There we go. Those two are so similar in design that I always get them mixed up there. But yeah, 1969 with uh, him and Bert Campanaris and uh, Danny Cater all on it. So Bando came back about a week and a half. We'll be sending that out to Campanaris next. And then once it comes in, we'll get a Cater on it to finish it off. Uh, the sixth one I got in the mail this week was soccer player Brian Quinn. You may remember a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned Kevin Crow signing the uh, team card that I had there from the 1990-91 uh, Pacific set. Quinn added his signature to it there as well, right along the... Uh, Side there is showing it there to Jeff. You can see that. Very cool. So I just have to send it. I just just have to yet to, yet to send it off now to a Zoran Carrick, who's the guy in the white jersey on the end there. But he's a guy that I've gotten by mail twice in my lifetime, so I know he's at least a somewhat reliable signer. So hopefully we'll be able to get him back quickly as well. And uh, like I said, a little quick uh, report on some in-person graphing I was able to do. So the uh, Rangers have been doing this uh, prospect development camp here over the last week, where they bring in. I think they had like 80 prospects they sent out to uh, Arizona to their uh, spring training site. Did some stuff out there for a week and then took a team of 40 of them over here into Texas and played against a bunch of college teams. So they had these kind of uh, kind of modified rules on it. They limited pitchers to a certain pitch count per inning and uh, also had a, uh, they played 12 inning games along with it. So you're out there forever, it seems like, but yeah, they were allowed to kind of like cycle in players or something like that every so often too. But uh so they went out there and they played down at uh, Texas Tech on this past Monday. Didn't go out to that. That's, I mean, that's a four-hour drive out there for me. Uh, they also played on Tuesday at Dallas Baptist University. So I was able to go out to that game there. Wednesday, they had a session, I believe, at uh, just at the Rangers ballpark, kind of an inter-squad session. Thursday was at Baylor. And then uh, Friday was at uh, Texas Christian. So I went out to that one as well. But they had a couple of uh, big Rangers prospects that were out there. Uh, Takoa Roby was there, signed everything that we had. Great guy. Uh, Baron Laura, same deal right there. That dude, it's funny. You look at his cards. He's listed on the cards as being 6'3", 190. 
Um, on the roster, he's now listed as being a 6'5", 258, I think it was. Wow. So uh, he's grown just a little bit since uh, coming over to the U.S. there. But uh, absolutely just mashing during batting practice. I mean, he's putting these, you know, 420-foot bombs out there and everything, which is really cool to see. He's the guy they were talking about that he might, um, kind of like Joey Gallo. Yeah, they were like, he, I think so. He could be an ex-Joey Gallo, but hopefully with a higher average. Yeah, that's that's definitely what I think they're hoping for there. Um, also got a Junior Paniagua, Antonio Cabello, Jason Morobel, Marcus Smith, Ian Muller, uh, top draft picks Cam Colley and Aaron Zavala, Ricky Venasco, and also got to see a couple of former players as well. Uh, you may remember a pitcher named Kirk Sarlus who used to pitch for the Astros. He's now the manager at TCU, so I was able to get him to sign a few cards. And uh, working in the Rangers front office right now is Michael Young. I was able to get him to sign a couple of cards nice. there as well. And uh, it was just really great. I mean, there weren't that many graphers out there. It was me, uh, my friend Chris, and kind of a couple others, including one who was hoping to get this one specific player. So I was able to help her out with that. And it's always good because, I mean, you get to meet all these, you know, other people out there that you've never seen before and all that and talk graphing with them and all that. So, yeah, just a lot of fun. I saw a thing, a post somewhere, and I don't remember where, but the Arizona Fall League, which is, I don't know if you've, you've ever, I, I lived in Arizona a couple of years, so I used to go out to those. Um, they told their players not to sign. I had heard that. Yes. So I, which is really a shame because they, when I was there, the, the guys were really open and you could literally, literally there was probably like 30 people in the stands watching the games and half of them were scouts. So you, you, I, you could go down and sit right next to the dugout and literally talk to the guys while they're playing, you know, if they weren't playing, I, you know, I talked to Eric Burns. I talked to a lot of the guys that ended up being major league players. Now I wasn't into autographs back then, which is too bad, but I brought, I brought my son who was a little kid. I don't know. He was probably five or six years old. And he, he would get like three or four ball, three or four foul balls because they would get in the stands and no one would, would be there. And he just yep. run over and get the ball. So I have, I have, I got programs from when I went, but it was, it was always a really nice take as a baseball fan and the guys would sign anything if you wanted it. Oh yeah. So it's really, I guess they, the guys want to sign, but the players association and MLB, I think because of COVID told them not to sign any autographs. So I think that's quite a bit of it there. That's what I'm hoping it's the reason at least. I think Arizona has been a bit of a COVID hotspot here as it's been going on. So it may just be a little bit of a player safety issue. And I'm hoping that's all it is that they're not just going to tell them, no, get your money from fanatics and all that to, you know, do your private signings and don't give them any freebies or anything, but who knows? We'll see how it is next year and going on from here, I guess. But yeah. Well, th thanks for running down your returns. I'm going to, I'm going to run down mine. I have, I have a bunch, so I will, I'll go as quickly as possible. Um, I got, I'm going to go right down my pile here. I got Matt, Mark Huseman. Who, Mark Huseman, who is a Mark Huseman, because I'll get my, my Boston accent out of there. He is an 87 Tops card. I sent him one card. He sent me another one, so I got two of them. So if anyone needs a Mark Huseman 1987 Tops card, I got an extra. <laughs> that one took a couple weeks. I got Mike Barlow on a 78 Tops card, which I needed for my set. I had told uh, A couple weeks ago, I started going through the list of guys that signed, and he was one of them in, uh, for my 78 set, so... Uh, I hadn't been adding to this that much, and I'm, I'm very happy to get that one. Nice blue Sharpie signed. I got um, two uh, from Calvin Murphy, who's the NBA Hall of Famer. On, uh, this is 1979 and 1978 uh, Tops cards. And I just I sent them to him. He signed black Sharpie with his number. I had gotten these cards um, to have to sign at the National 
but I didn't go to the Nationals, so I, I just had to show them. Didn't call, and there was no charge for either. Let me sign both of them. Took a couple weeks. I got uh, Charlie West. Charlie West was a uh, safety for the Minnesota Vikings, and I got him on a 73 Tops football card. He personalized it to, to Jeff. Best wishes. Charlie West, he also signed my TTM Cast business card. I send these guys my business card asking them to be on the podcast, and I've been getting a lot of TTM Cast business cards. So I'm got, I got a nice little collection of signed TTM Cast, TTM Cast business cards. So Charlie West uh, on, on a 72 Tops card, that took a couple weeks. I got uh, Ted uh, Qualick, who was a tight end for the uh, San Francisco 49ers. He signed his name and number in a black black Sharpie. It's a nice in-action card, Drew, if you can see that. Oh, yeah. 73 tops uh, in-action card. You don't get to see many in-action cards because they didn't, uh, in 73, they didn't have the rights to the logo yet. So they um, they they airbrushed everything out, but this was a nice in-action card. Uh, and he, he signed that in a couple weeks. I got Dale Lindsay, who was a middle linebacker for the Cleveland Browns. He signed in pen, uh, signed his name, Dale Lindsay, no number, and his 73 tops card. It's card number 287 and took a couple weeks and happy to get that. This one, I don't know if this is a fail or a success. So I'm going to say it's a half, half, half success, half fail. So I got, I'm going to hold this up to Drew. Mm-hmm. This is Ron Kittle. He's not, I, he sent me this picture. Uh, what is it? Like a, a oversized baseball card, but it, uh, he signed it. Uh, I had sent him his rookie card because I bought his rookie card because he was going to be at the national. He sent me the rookie card back unsigned, but he did, he did send me this. I have Ron Kittle on a couple of cards. So I don't know if he, he changed how he signs cards. He didn't charge anything for it. So I got, I got that back. I got uh, Bob Tucker. Bob Tucker was a tight end for the New York giants uh, on his 1973 card. He signed it in blue Sharpie. Took a couple of weeks. This is the good one. I got Dave Parker. Uh, the Cobra on his 1974 rookie card. Ooh, find like it in a nice blue sharpie. Uh, this was um, fifteen dollars donation, but uh, really quick turnaround, probably like a week and a half. And uh, I've been hold- I've been holding on to this one. I-, I had sent out two cards to Dave Parker a while ago for the 78 that I needed for my 78 set. So I've been kind of holding back, but I said oh, I'll send it out. And he signed it. Really quick turnaround. I got Bailey Howell, who was an NBA Hall of Famer, on his 1969 Tops card. If you can see that, it's a tall boy, and he signed a nice blue sharpie. Uh, it was ten dollar donation, so uh, that took a couple weeks. He, he lives in Mississippi. Uh, I got a car. I got Kurt Rambis on an upper deck. He was a uh, played for the Lakers and the Phoenix Suns, and he personalized it and, and signed the front of his card with with his number. Again, this one that one took a couple weeks. I got Raymond Claiborne, who was a Patriots, New England Patriots Hall of Famer, uh, played cornerback for the Patriots forever. Uh, and I got him bound to 86 tops card um, and a nice blue Sharpie. And that was, that was a, a quick turn. No, and this one took a while. This one took a couple months. I got uh, Joel Youngblood for my 1978 top set. Um, I, he was, I think he was $5. I can't remember if I sent the $5 or not. But um, he did sign a nice blue Sharpie. It's a New York Mets card, 78 tops. I got uh, this one. This one's a, a, a win and a loss, okay? So I got uh, Bob Deal, who uh, pitched for the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Boston Red Sox. He pitched, he pitched for the Red Sox from uh, 72 to 74. And Bob Deal's an older gentleman. 
and he signed the top. He's he, he signed my top loader. So, oh no. <laughs> so, but he also did sign a TTM Cast business card, and he signed go. a TTM Cast magnet. <laughs> so I don't I don't know if that's a win or a loss. So I got a, a TTM Cast magnet signed by Bob Veal. I have a TTM business card signed by Bob Veal. And I have a I have a top loader signed by Bob Veal. I'm gonna send him the card out. It's the 72 tops that I sent him. I'll send him the card out and see if he if he, he will re-sign it. But that I I don't know. I I would say that's kind of a win. Yeah. I got um Sonny Siebert, who pitched for the Cleveland Indians and the Boston Red Sox, 1973 tops. He signed it in uh, blue pen. And I don't know, I know. He he charges, but I don't think I I don't remember sending any money for him. Hmm. So sometimes I I'm ignorant. Like I don't like sometimes I'll send it out, and then after the fact I'm like, oh shit, he wants five dollars or ten dollars or whatever it was, and I don't recall sending any money to Sonny Saber. But he did send my, he signed my card, and it only it took a couple of weeks. Now this one I know I did send him five dollars. Uh, John Ellis, who was a catcher for the Texas Rangers. I got it for my 1978 set. He signed it in a blue pen. No, no number or anything, but I needed it for my 78 set, so I got that. I got that one. That was a really quick turnaround. He lives in Connecticut, so that was a quick turnaround. I don't know if I've talked about this one or, or not. Did I mention the Antonio Brown card that I got signed? I don't think you did. I think you may have. I think you may have said you were sending to him, but I don't. Yeah. So I, I have. Uh, this is a, a Gridiron Kings Donruss card. It's numbered to a hundred. It's card number forty-five. And I had been holding this for a while, and I saw that he signs. So I sent it to uh, Tampa to the team, and his autograph's not that great, but he signed. He signed it with his his name and his number, and it really only took less than a week. It was like a week and maybe a week. I sent it to like on a Monday and I think I got it back on like the following Saturday, that Saturday or even the next Monday. It was really quick. So um, I know some people have said that they sent him and they haven't got it, got it signed, but it was a quick turnaround for me on that one. Um, did I mention some of these? Uh, forgive me because I, um, I wasn't sure if I mentioned some of these, so I put them on there. Um, I think I mentioned him. Did I mention um, Greg Luzinski rookie card? I think I did, right? possibly i think yeah i think i've yeah i don't have seen it at least so i I may have been some i saw on facebook though or something i think and i think that's it i think i the rest of these i yeah i I mentioned all those the rest of those so i think we got i think we got them all yeah so that that was that was a lot of returns and uh you know i i have a bunch out i haven't sent anything out this week have you did you send anything out this week I did not. I've got to got to buy a new batch of stamps here with new month coming around, though. So I should hopefully be sending. I'm gonna get those 31 out that I said I'm gonna send before the end of the year, though, so I can end my spreadsheet right at 3,000 right at the yep. end of the year. So, got to do that here coming up. But I've got a stack of players I'm pl- probably going to be mailing off to here pretty soon to uh to put into that. Yeah, I have now. I have a big stack that I have to have to put away and uh, and page up. But I also I'm going to the show next week. So I'm going to look for some more stuck cards to some some uh, vintage cards to send out because I, I like the vintage stuff. So I'm going to be looking for some some vintage cards at the show to to send out some more stuff. I've got three or four that I want that I am earmarking to send out. Have you ever sent out to uh, Dave Winfield? I never have. He's uh, he's a little bit outside my price range, so I have not sent to him yet. Okay, I why I don't know what his, I, I've seen anything for anywhere from ten dollars to twenty dollars. 
to forty dollars to he doesn't sign at all. So I've been kind of hesitant to send send a card. I want to send his rookie card. Uh, I've always seen, yeah, 25, 25 or 30 was I've, what I've always heard on him. So that was like, yeah, I'm not going to at all, but. But he's I not mean, that if, reliable, right? He's not. Like, that's yeah. That's the problem right there. Cause I think I mailed to him before I knew about his feed back in like 2007 or so I mailed off to him and never got anything back, but yeah, I didn't send any money either. Cause I didn't know that he charged at the time, but yeah. yeah. Um, I have, yeah, it's, it's really hit or miss with him. It seems. I've been kind of waiting on that. I, I saw uh, he, there were a couple of returns maybe two weeks ago. And then I don't know. There wasn't enough to like, oh, he's signing now. You know what I mean? It was, I think it was just a, like two or two or three. Um, and then I haven't really seen, I checked online and I didn't notice there was a huge run run on Dave Winfield. So I don't, I don't want to be too ahead of the curve on him. If you know what I mean. Right. And I, I hate, I, I 99% of the time, I don't send out a card if I don't have a duplicate of it or if I don't mind uh, not getting it back. Um, so, I, you know, to, to send out a, a, a Dave Winfield rookie card without, without the certainty of getting it back, I, th- I think I'm going to hold off on that. I might just send out. The thing is that I, I always have that problem is that I'm collecting the 78 set. So it's do I want to spend the money and get my 78 card signed or do I want to send get a rookie card signed? You know, I mean, I, I'm sure you have that same problem with 72, right? You get, you know, like Steve, Steve Carlton was one. There's like, I sent out his rookie card, but I really need a 78 card signed too. So yeah. like, like I, I accidentally, I did that with Rico Petroselli actually, when he was signing at the national in 2018, I had a 72 card. I had his rookie card and I had an 11 by 14 photo. And it's like, oh, they're limiting me to just one. That line is looking too long for you to get through the second time. Yeah, the 11 by 14 wins. And I was, I mean, I was able to pick up his uh, 72 signed for cheap on eBay at some point. So got that done too, but yeah, it's always just, it's a tough choice sometimes. Yep. So I've been kind of leaning. I always think I always lean towards the rookie card and like, Oh, I can get the, I can get the 78 card somewhere or get it another time. So, well, that wraps up returns for the week. I don't have anything said to go out, um, but I'm going to be doing some in-person stuff in the next uh couple weeks and, I got, and we got a lot of stuff going on so um thanks drew and our next up is our interview this week's interview is brought to you by the trove sports den come and hang out and chat with baseball pros from past and present online visit the trovesportsden.com and join in the fun today this week i had the the pleasure of interviewing kurt christensen kurt is um a expert in wax wax unopened product uh wax racks packs uh cellos and we kind of talk all about um the ins and outs of, of wax pack and unopened product. And he does vintage stuff. And we talk about a lot of forgeries and fakes that are out there and what to look out for. And uh, it's really interesting. It's educational. I, you know, I'm into um, vintage wax, but not as much as, as somebody like Kurt. And it was good to get uh, kind of an expert's opinion. So um, enjoy my interview with Kurt Christensen. But first, uh, here's a message from our friends at CSG. Have you heard? CSG certified sports cards are now eligible to be listed on StarStock. And for collectors with cards in the StarStock vault that need to be graded, StarStock will submit them directly to CSG, saving you time and reducing shipping costs. StarStock joins CSG's growing network of official submission centers, group submitters, and authorized dealers, which now includes Dave and Adams Card World, Dallas Card Investors, Cade's Bulk Grading, and many others. Visit CSGCards.com to learn more. Joining us on the TTMcast hotline from his home in Iowa is the 
one of the experts in the uh, vintage wax pack market and hobby. His name is Kurt Christensen. He owns a company uh, called RippingVintagePacks.com. He is an administrator of a Facebook group called Vintage Wax and Packs. On, uh, it's on Facebook. It's fabulous group. And we're here to talk to Kurt about uh, wax and unopened products. So uh, welcome to the program, Kurt. Hey, thanks for having me, Jeff. Um, always a pleasure and always fun to uh, spend any time I can talking about unopened product. I know, Kurt, it's a niche that I love. I, um, I'm the worst at it in terms of when I buy something, I want to rip it open since I've been a little kid. <laughs> so you have, how, how, how do you control yourself from, from not opening this stuff when you first started collecting? Um, that's, that's always a great question because there's always kind of two folds people there's people that like to open it and there's people that um like to not open it and for for whatever reason um i've been able to distinguish between the the collecting side and the ripping side and when i got items i like to collect i guess it never crosses my mind to, to open them it, it, it's so strange for me because when i was a kid i you know i'm a little older than you so i started really collecting in the early 70s uh, my dad owned a drugstore and uh, and he used to bring home boxes of cards for me and my brother every every year. And the, what the first thing we did, we used to get up at four in the morning and, and rip open all those all those cards. And I wish I didn't open them. It's just it, it, today, in today's market because I just I love the cards so much. I just wanted to rip them. So uh, I don't know how you do it, but it, it, it's a great thing. How did you get into, um, you know, saving the cards and, and collecting unopened material? Um, it's. Uh, well, I've always been a, been a collector as a kid. You know, I grew up collecting. I would have um, been a collector in the 90s. So maybe that's part of the reason why I don't open a lot of the stuff by PC now, because, you know, I, I, I never was able to buy any of the 70s or stuff as a kid because that was before my time. But um, I've always collected and I've never started out as an open collector, but um, I'm a huge uh, Twins fan. And um, I remember buying a lot of 85 uh, Kirby Puckett items, you know, his rookie mm -hmm. year, and looking for rare Kirby items. And remember, this was probably 10, 12 years ago. You, you know, I'd, I'd see some Kirby Puckett unopened racks with them showing on top, et cetera. And I'm like, you know, that's kind of unique. So I bought that and, you know, a few other things like that. And, you know, the as I got going, the interest has kind of morphed into I like the rarity of the unopened item compared to maybe the logistics of a card. And my interest was just sparked that way. And I decided, you know, I, rather than maybe collect a 1975 tops George Brett card, boy, uh, a 75 tops George Brett rack with him showing on a rack is much more difficult to find. And that, that, that rarity kind of drove me into um, cl cl collecting unopened. I think you really, um, you know, you've been collecting for a little while and it seems like you kind of um, jumped the gun in terms of, of the, the popularity of unopened cards. Do you, th do you think that that uh, benefited you when you first started collecting? Yes, absolutely. Um, and there were a lot of unopened guys that have collected longer than me, um, but I was fortunate I got into it 10, 12 years ago um, before the prices were what they are now. Because I know if I would want to, collect some of the stuff I do now, I won't be able to afford it. And to lend to your question, I do think there was some some merit there. I was able to acquire a lot of rare product, a lot of 
80s product, 70s product at very reasonable prices and get an education in the process of studying packs and racks and cellos, all the above um, at a price point that wasn't extremely high. So that added to the knowledge base because, you know, I was just able to pick some of that stuff up when it didn't cost so much. Yeah, now you you know you drop a lot of terms, uh, and that some of our, some of us know, but some of our my listeners might not know because we're you know we're collectors and autograph collectors, and, and they might not know what a cello is or a rack is. Um, why, don't, why don't you give give our listeners a quick uh, one on one on one in in uh, in, in unwrap, uh, unopened stuff that that you really focus on. So yeah, it's it's a general term we throw around when um, we say we like to collect unopened wax. And uh, wax is it can be a term that's used for literally everything. Um, so there's all different kinds of unopened material. Um, in, in in the simplest form, wax re, um, refers to a wax pack. That's probably the most common way tops issued cards back in the day. Um, cards were wrapped in a wax pack wrapper, um, but then they also had cello boxes they would have been a clear wrap where you could see the top card, you could see the back card. Um, many people like myself, I love collecting cellos. I have a PC cello pack run of tops that goes back into the 50s. Wow. Um, when did they start? When did Tops start doing cellos? Um, 1953, Tops made their first cello pack. So we all know 52 Tops you know, was their flagship release, but they did not have cello packs in 52. The first one started with 53 and then it ran, it's run from 53, you know, to, uh, to through, through, through the eighties and nineties. Um, another extremely popular one are rack packs and racks would have been probably, I assume on your grocery store, your retailer, they all, they always had like a punch hole in them where you'd hang a, a, a three pack rack, maybe next to the checkout aisle. And they were, or um, a, a rectangular shape thing with three cells of cards where like a cello, you could see the front and the back on, on all the, the cells. Um, and I also like to collect racks. So my collecting needs are, are I collect tops, rack packs and cello packs, mainly because I, I like to see the cards. There's kind of two types of rack packs, right? There's the uh, something from the factory that tops put out. And then there's these Christmas ones that I'm sure everyone has seen that were um, third party, right? They were they were um, they were put together and, and packed by third party uh, people. It could have been uh, back in the '60s or '70s, right, or even more recently. But but there is kind of two different types of rack packs, right? So there there's the legitimate rack packs, and I, I'm glad you brought up the the Christmas racks because um, as an unopened guy like myself. Um, when I hear that term, I automatically cringe in, in, in the back of my head. <laughs> There's a lot of misinformation and maybe knowledge that nobody knows. Um, the general consensus in the unopened community is rack packs um, are not authentic in, in any way, shape or form. Um, does that mean that there weren't some legitimate ones put out in the 60s or 70s by third parties? You know, there probably were. But it is, it's a feeding ground on eBay for fake pack makers, resealers to fabricate these Christmas racks and make money off them. So as far as I'm concerned, whether there's some legitimacy to them or not, there probably were some that were legitimate. But um, I, I, I assume they're all bad and I, I avoid the Christmas racks at really all cost. Yeah, I saw a post, and I think it was in, in, in your group, in the Vintage Wax and, and Packs group, 
somebody had posted a 1973 rack pack and I think it had uh, Willie Mays and uh, two other, uh, Johnny Bench and I forget who the third one was. And the, they, everyone in the group was saying, oh, that's fake, that's fake. But it had the tops header and it looked, you know, for as a layman, if you looked at it, it would be like, yep, that looks like a, a good rack pack. How do you tell the difference between a, a, a fake rack pack and, and, and something that's authentic? Um, that that question right there is um, we could say is is, is the million dollar question. Um, unfortunately, in this sector of the hobby, I, I assume it's like every sector of the hobby: autographs, cards, all the above. You know, there's a lot of tampering, a lot of fakes that go on. Um, there, there's some acquired knowledge that there's a lot of knowledgeable people in the unopened market, and um, yeah, kind of based, back, based on sorting, right? Because the cards were sorted in a certain order oh, and by a certain uh, printing run. Yeah, so you know, the, this knowledge has come forth over the years that when Tops would have made made 73 Tops rack packs, um, each cell should have certain cards, you know, from a certain sheet or so. Um, 73 tops was a release in series. So that's a little different than say 75 tops, you know, tops quit using series. So um, there's a really strict collation on 75 tops racks. Specific card should be in the header section, the middle section and the end section. And those are ways to tell tampering. Um, a lot of fake racks, the easiest sell to tamper with is the end section because you can get access to it easier without say cutting through the whole rack. Um, so the, you gotta do research and um, you don't wanna jump on board buying anything and everything because it looks great. I always go by the saying, if it looks too good to be true, it probably is. <laughs> um, does, that, does that mean that a 73 rack with three Hall of Famers showing is automatically you know, not legit? It doesn't. But the odds in my head, without even examining the rack in person, tell me, you know, it's it's probably too good to be true. Can you look at a, a rack? I mean, you're you're an expert in this. Can you look at a rack and say, okay, I know the if there's 49 cards in the rack pack, I I know the 49 cards. I do. I'm not knowledgeable enough on sequencing to tell you, say, on a 75 tops rack, yeah. if this guy is showing that there's going to be a George Brett in that, that cell. Um, what, what I can tell you though, is I can look at a rack of the players showing from 75 and say, you know, this card showing should not be in that section. And that means this pack is likely faked, but I, I don't have the knowledge base to tell you what cards are, you know, presumably inside the section. There are some guys out there, who are older than me that have taken notes from opening these things through the years that that can you know likely tell you well there's going to be a George Brett inside this rack or this 76 tops rack well this one's going to have a Nolan Ryan in it or something I, I my, my knowledge base isn't great on you know the sequencing what cards are inside as compared to what cards are showing if, if the right ones are showing or the wrong ones are showing to help determine if it's is good or not. It's almost like card, counting cards in blackjack, right? There's some people that can do it and, <laughs> and some people that just can't, that are, that are, are lambs like myself. <laughs> just well, I, have, um, I have a couple friends that um, when they were kids in the 60s and 70s, 
took notes when they would open a wax pack or a yeah. cello pack. And this is how the cards came out. And then through the years, as they got older, through the 80s and 90s, still when these items weren't worth that much and they'd open them, you know, check their notes. And they got pretty good data um, that, you know, can tell you, you know, there's a good chance that, you know, Nolan or whoever is in this rack. You know, myself, when I started buying this, even though it was cheaper 10, 12 years ago, I never thought it was at a price point that, you know, I ever wanted to open it and, and, and get that education um but there 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 are some people out there with with that base of knowledge do all the grading companies when i see all the grading companies you know the major three or four grading companies are they grading uh rack packs in uh unopened packs and cello packs do they grade them just like uh you know they would grade a rock, rock hard um the only company that's going to grade and give an actual number grade to a pack is PSA. PSA um, okay. They will grade um, wax packs, cello packs. Um, if it's a abnormally sized pack like 69 Tallboy Basketball, you know they, they won't have the holders for that. But standard size, tops, flare, wax, cellos, they will. Um, are my friends at a baseball card exchange, Steve Hart's company. He is not assigning a numerical grade, but he will authenticate rack packs. And he will authenticate that the 69 tall boy basketball packer odd size um, packs that PSA doesn't have a holder for. Um, and I should mention, he is also the the only, as well as the head, the head, the only, whatever way you want to put it, authenticator for PSA on, on their on their pack grading section of the market. So you can, there's no service right now providing a numerical grade for rack packs, but you can get them authenticated uh, through Steve Hart at Baseball Card Exchange. Does your company uh, grade as well, or I know you're you're wrapping boxes, right? You guys wrap boxes and. I do. Um, yes, I do some authentication. Um, no, I do not have a um, grading service right now. Um, I, I do authenticate individual boxes. Um, I don't do rack packs right now. Um, I can't say that it will always be like that, or I can't say I haven't thought about, you know, some grading and, and endeavors from myself um, with a um, full-time job on the farm, time constraints and other things get involved in some of these equations. But yes, I mean, I have considered and have thought about some plans, you know, to embark on some of those things. But no, as of right now, um, I do authenticate individual boxes. Um, but the only avenue for grading of packs are PSA and authenticating of rack packs is a baseball card exchange. When you, when you as a collector, um buy something that's not hasn't been authenticated uh, I, i'm sure you're not buying anything on ebay because you just never quite know you have to see you have to touch and feel right but when you're at the national you're at a card show and you see something you're like oh somebody's got a you know a, a 76 tops baseball box that you, you you're really interested in it's a pretty good price point what are you looking for so that you brought up a really good point um ebay for unopened product is I like to say it's, it's a virtual minefield um, as far as unauthenticated product that goes. Can you get a good raw you know, 76 wax packs? Sure. Um, I don't know what the percentage is. Um, if there's 
90% are bad or 10% are good or 20% are good or 80% are bad. Well, let's put it this way. There's enough bad product that to me, it's not worth a purchase at any point, even if through pictures, I, I think it's good. Um, so yeah, to your question, you know, what am I looking for in person? You know, usually I'm not willing to buy much of that stuff unless I can get eyeballs on it in person. Um, that's part of the knowledge base that I had talked about that I was able to acquire through the years when some of this product wasn't so expensive. Um, I always, when I got product in, I always wanted to examine it. Um, even when I would buy authenticated product, like from Steve, you know, BBC wrap boxes, I usually took that wrap off and I wanted to, to look and in, in study at the packs. I've collected an open long enough. I have bought and I've owned bad product as well. I usually like to keep my bad product. I got a whole stack of it somewhere that I know, hey, this is bad. And I got stuff, you know, it's good to have comparisons. Um, the couple telltale signs that I, the first thing I go to and I look for on wax packs is I wanna go on the back of the pack and try to identify the roller marks on the seal and they should line up from one side of the flap straight across to the other side of the flap. Um, so that's that's the first thing I'm looking at. And then the second thing I'm looking at are the four corner folds on the side of the packs. How tight they are, how uniform they are, are they rounded, are they smudged? Um, those are um, the, the two big checkpoints that, that, that I look for. Now, I, I've noticed, you know, uh, Flair 1986 basketball cards, obviously, because the Michael Jordan, um, the prices are exorbitant. You can't buy an, a, a, box, a pack of 86 Flair anymore. You know, 20 years ago, you could have probably picked them up for $5 a pack. But today, you, you don't have any shot. Do you see, do you see in your, your travels, um, do you see these being, uh, you know, um, tampered with? And is there other, any other, any other product right now that seems to be coming up as bad product? Yeah, the couple of products that I see the most as being tampered with, you just said one of it, 86 Fleer Basketball. And as the prices have got more expensive, that's even morphed into 87 and 88 Fleer Basketball, um, though not nearly as much as 86. I assume if I see an 86 Fleer Basketball pack, I assume it's tampered with. I mean, that's just, just an assumption I make. Um, and to be honest with you, every single raw 86 for a basketball pack I've seen, I've never bought one because they've all been been tampered with. So that's- Yeah, I, I would think about. so because I mean, there, it, 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 we're talking of mil potential millions of dollars on on these packs. So, uh, I mean, you saw there was a case of Flare 86 that came up for auction a little while ago. And that, I forget, I don't know what it went for, but it went for a couple million dollars, didn't it? Couple million, it was over a couple million, yeah. yeah. Um, the other products, and this shouldn't surprise you, but uh, 79 Hockey, you know, Wayne Gretzky, Wayne rookie Gretzky, year, yeah. that one's been tampered with for years. Um, but now, and then now more recently, um, I've noticed um, a lot of uh, 83 Tops Baseball um, is when this is recent, but we saw a big run up in, in that year. That's a popular year with the Gwynn, the Sandberg and Boggs rookie year. Yeah. Um, I see a lot of tampered with 83 tops baseball. Um, and then, um, also if you're looking on, uh, the football side of things, 76 football is one that's tampered with a lot. Should be no surprise. You know, it's a Walter Payton rookie year. And then, um, I also see a lot of, uh, bad, not, um, with 75 baseball, not 
Um, 75 base was kind of unique because we had the minis and the regulars. Um, 75 tops baseball regular size wax packs are an extremely difficult pack to find. You see regular size cellos and you see 75 racks quite a bit, yep. but the regular size wax packs are very difficult. And that's one that for eight, 10 years, I've almost never come across a good legit raw one they're almost all tampered with but that's specific to the regular sized wax packs you're now you're you know you're one of the experts in the unopened uh, wax field i mean you and steve are probably the two biggest experts that i know you know i've been collecting for a while um do you have you gotten any interesting people coming to you with unopened stuff um, you know, just, you know, net, net, normal people that, that they have unopened stuff that they're trying to sell. And I know you guys, you know, they, they come to Ripping Vintage Packs, they, they find you on the internet and they say, hey, I've got X. What are some of the cool things that people have come to you and, and that you've picked up? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I, I, I do get um, those calls and those emails. I would say probably shouldn't be a surprise, but the majority of those calls are lead to, um, you know, 80s material, late 70s, 90s, -hmm. which for me, I mean, I love that stuff. Um, But as far as uniqueness for rare items, um, a couple years ago, I had a guy call me um, from the East Coast, and he had come across a pair of 1953 um, non-sport boxes, cello boxes. They were 53 power and peace and TV and movie stars. Um, So, you know, that's old stuff. Um, Able, I was able to get those bought. That was really a really neat um, lead. I love non-sport stuff, so that that was really cool. Um, also had um, a, a local guy about a couple hours away from me. Um, this was about a year ago with some uh, good mid seventies items: seventy-seven top baseball rack boxes, wax boxes, racks. Um, oh, you must have been so excited to see that oh, stuff. Yes. <laughs> how do you control how do you control yourself you come in you know somebody says oh i got something i, I want you to look at and you open and you're like oh the, what, what's in here oh 77 racks packs that, yeah. that haven't been opened in 40 years and <laughs> so i can't and especially the local ones where you get ones that you can drive to i mean that you can see i'm smiling right now because that i mean that that's the best one. i can go and drive to the lead and look at it in person um that's um th- those are the best calls but you know, so yeah, I mean, I get leads. Um, I got a network of people I know. Uh, majority of the stuff um, you come across is, you know, stuff that's more available. But that just makes sense because, you know, the difficult stuff is hard to come by. I know you can't say never, but um, the supply of this stuff is obviously drying up. Do you, do you think that in, in terms of um, inventory, you know, that 99% of the inventory, 95% of the inventory for of unopened stuff from the 60s and 70s has, is in, in the hobby or in a collector's hand? Uh, so I like to make a couple distinctions um, on far as years, and I'll take this in terms of baseball material. I like to have, there's a cutoff in 1978. I say 1978 and newer is a supply line of inventory. And then there's pre-78. Um, I like to say 72 through 77 is, a, is another one. And mm-hmm. then anything pre-72 is, is another whole group. The stuff that's pre-1978, in the last 18 months, 
has got really difficult to find. You know, to put a percentage on it, that's hard to say because, you know, the fines that we have, you know, nobody knows there's a big fine of something until they stumble across it in a storage unit or something. But, you know, the, the, there could be 75, 80% of that stuff, you know, tucked away in hardcore collections. Um, but to give you a quick, quick example of, of the year 1977 in, in racks, I like rack packs. Um, I, I remember it being set up at the uh, 2018 National in Cleveland and a 77 tops baseball rack pack was about 200 bucks. And I had a couple for sale in my booth and there were numerous 77 racks all over the show. Um, and eBay, I mean, you could find a 77 rack on eBay all day long, 200 bucks. They were everywhere. And I mean, I, I, I might've sold one or two, but I mean, I didn't think about buying any of them. I mean, they're just for everywhere. And you go now and a 77 rack, if you can find one is going to be seven, 800 bucks. And they're almost, almost never show up. I mean, they've gone from, that was three years ago to being everywhere easy to find, easy to buy to almost nowhere. Uh, and I would say not, you know, some of those are getting open, but I think the majority of them have just are continuing to get sucked up in, in personal collections. Yeah. Do you think the, uh, the consumer or the collector has been more educated uh, with the unopened market, um, you know, in the last, whatever, two years since, since the hobby really exploded again? Yes. Um, and I can tell us this, I've, I've been collecting an open, like I said, for 10, 12 years. And the collector group of collector friends I had 10, 12 years ago was much smaller than it is now. And just like you said, there are more people in that section of the hobby than there, there has been before. And yes, I do believe those items are getting, you know, bought by a wider range of people and then being stuck um, in, into their, their personal collections. And I don't think it's a uh, um, we shouldn't be surprised, you know, we've seen more press and more publicity, you know, on a national scale about, you know, the prices and maybe people consider, you know, cards or sports memorabilia as an investment. Um, it doesn't take too long of a Google search to Google 1975 rack packs to see what they were worth 10 years ago, five years ago, two years ago. And now that if some new people are in the hobby can see that, you know, I, th I think there's an avenue of, um, that investor type guy that that's buying some of this stuff too. Yeah, I mean, I I um, went to a show here in Boston locally that back in the, I don't know, in the early '80s. Um, I was a teenager, and I bought. Um, uh, uh, Mr. Mint was there, Alan Rosen, and he, I don't remember he had the his 1952 find, and I bought a pack of 1952 off him, and I think I bought it for twenty dollars, unopened. <laughs> you know, I mean, not not even think of, and I opened the pack because I was a kid. I didn't know. The difference between an unopened pack and a pack. And it's like, oh, great, I get to open a, a 1952 pack. But um, it, it certainly, the I think the collectors are certainly much more educated. Um, do, are you into any of the newer, the new stuff, the new releases? Is that something that you're interested in, or do you kind of really stop when they stop making the, you know, the wax pack? What, what, what was last year they made wax packs? Was that um, I lit late 80s so if you got to go 90 early 90s 91 um 92 there are some wax and they have some plastic so early 90s um i usually draw the line that um 
I don't know why it is, but, you know, at, at, at 91, I say, you know, the packaging and some of the materials change a little bit after that. Definitely after 80, for sure, and 89 and tops. For for sallow packs, for tops, 89, they still had the, the clear wraps on both sides. You could see the cards. In 1990, the cello packs um, were all green on the front. So they called them cellos. Were they technically, you know, they, they weren't the same thing. So they, there was a little bit of a packaging change there. Yeah, I agree. I, in fact, I just bought a box of 90 cellos and because uh, uh, I hadn't, I didn't have my had an unopened uh, wax pack box, but I, I saw a box of cellos at a show and I, I picked up for a pretty good price, but I, I didn't realize that it, it was, you couldn't see through because I'm not, not that much of an expert, if you know what I mean. And I was a little disappointed when I opened it. So you can't really see the cards. Um, yeah, I'm just, because today, one of the things that really amazed me about today's, um, you know, blaster boxes is that um, people weigh them. They, you know, they're weighing them to see see what's inside, basically, and see if there's a special, you know, a special insert card. And in, in, uh, it, it's kind of strange. And I think one of the things I liked about the older cards, even the junk era, is that you you were buying them for the cards, and you it wasn't a lottery ticket, you know. Yeah, and I, I like that aspect too. I don't do much. Um... Of the new modern stuff um, um my kids are a little bit young now you know they wouldn't know you know uh, who uh, mike trout is you know by any means yet but my kids do like some star wars stuff so we'll buy some new star wars stuff and and, and collect together um but yeah as far as the ultra modern stuff you know i don't have a lot of interest in it um i get some of it offered my way to you know buy i don't I don't have a market or collector base for guys that you know I would be able to sell a lot of that stuff to. So yeah, I just kind of avoid it. Um, will I get back into the mid '90s, late '90s, early 2000s? I do do a little bit more of that stuff. That stuff is actually um, older now than, than 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 one would think. No, um, I know. You know I, I I had the same thing. I, you know, I saw. I think um, you guys have a a, a a box breaking, and I think you're breaking a 2000 football box on your your website so yeah we've done some uh, yeah definitely some late 90s into the early 2000s um in fact i just bought a large collection that contained a bunch of 2005 through 2009 football product um if you think about you know some of the the rookie players and some of that stuff aaron Rodgers, stafford adrian peterson you know those guys um sure you know but if you start doing the math you know that even, you know, 2005, you know, that's the 15 year old, old, old product right now. Yep. So um, I don't know if that's technically moved to vintage territory or not, but I'm a lot more comfortable, say, buying a 2005 foot Bowman Chrome football box than I would be, you know, a, a 2021 Bowman f football box. I just I, I don't have interest for the stuff, I guess, when it comes out out, out right away. Why don't you tell people about your website and what they can do on the website? And I you know you guys are doing your ripping uh, boxes all the time, but why don't you tell people, uh, you know, a little about your website and how, how you became, uh, how it came about? How did you know? How did you how did you cross the line from being a collector to being having your your own uh, site where where people can you know rip cards with, with you? So my website is called, I think you mentioned earlier, it's called uh, rippingvintagepacks.com. Um, if, if you Google ripping vintage packs, it, it, it should show up. Um, there's two main phases of my website. If you go on there, there will be a section that's titled, there's a store section, and then there's a, a live break section. Um, so to get into your question a little more, um, as I collected unopened for a long time, um, 
I was able to, as you made context, and in, in eight, 10 years ago, there wasn't many people buying this stuff. Um, I was able to come across a, a few larger buys. Um, and so I was able to make some purchases. And through the kind of formation of a lot of these Facebook groups, um, I remember being asked um, five, four or five years ago, um, guys knew it had a lot of inventory and um, was asked by some guys, hey, why don't we break up? Uh, this time it was a 1992 Bowman baseball box. I think either Rivera, Marion Rivera, either just retired yep. or, you know, something like that. The, wor like, the worst yeah. rookie, the worst rookie card in the history of rookie cards. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> all right. I said, yeah, I got 92 Bowman. Let's, let's do it. Um, so I sold packs out of the Bowman box. And at the time it was a friend and me and we were, we were literally down in his basement. I was stick my phone up. I was on a phone. It was Facebook live on a phone on a tripod in his basement and we opened a, a 92 bowman baseball box with with guys and then you know the next week they say well let's do this and let's do that and uh, so that th that that thing morphed as a way from there was a lot of collectors and friends that i knew that you know we we spent an hour two hours mainly talking cards reminiscing about some of that stuff we opened as a kid and in, enjoying that um and then as it picked up steam you know i just it really got to a point where I, I just couldn't handle it any anymore uh, with my farm responsibilities and trying to track all this stuff on Facebook. I mean, I, I just couldn't do it. But I said, there's got to be a better way. So that, that's when I started talking to a web developer and, and, and made the website. I had so much inventory. Um, I needed a way to organize it and I needed a way to facilitate the breaks that you didn't require so much time for me. So I think the website officially got up in, I think, 2018. So the website's been up for three years. Um, like I mentioned earlier, there's two main parts of the website. There's a store section. That's so if you go to the store section, you'll find 1981 Donner's box, 85 Topps baseball box, 89 Upper Deck. You know, whatever I have listed for there, those are items you can buy. I'll ship the whole box to you. Um, and, and you get to do whatever you want to with it. And then there's the live breaks section, and that's where we do our, our, our weekly uh, YouTube rips. And um, I like to think, now everybody likes when they're opening cards, you know, we're all after the hits and, you know, the, the big time cards. Um, I think what sets me apart a little bit is that the community that we have that like to break cards, um, I'm not one, you're not going to see me opening 55 Bowman cellos and 60 tops packs and that type of stuff, man. I, I, if I got that stuff, it's in, it's in the PC. Um, we like to open a lot of late seventies through eighties and particularly a lot of nineties, 2000 products, stuff that guys can get together for a couple hours. I don't feel like I'm ripping a really rare item. We can talk, we can have a good time. And we hope like last week we opened a 98, um, Bowman Chrome football box. And, you know, we hope Randy Moss and Peyton Manning, you know, come out, but, you know, a lot of it is a fun atmosphere. It's a way to, you know, kind of reminisce about the past for a couple hours and, and, and enjoy that part of the hobby. As part of your personal collection, what's your, what, what would some of the favorite things that you have? Not, not most valuable, just something that either you picked up that you really wanted or something that, you know, has special meaning to you. What, what are some of the items that, that you really cherish? So the, the couple um, items I cherish the most, um, guys who know me are not going to be surprised with this answer. The first item would be um, my 1966 Topps Batman cello packs. I'm a huge nice. Batman fan. <laughs> um, what's unique about Batman is 
up until 1989, there was only one year they made Batman. It was 1966 and products very difficult to find. So um, I have a um, Batman Sallow pack. It has the iconic black bat, the Batman number one card on, on top. So that's the favorite item I own. That's and then wait, wait, how'd, you have, wait, how'd you find that? You gotta, you gotta tell us how you found something as cool as that. Well, that one is the grand story of it. It showed up at a, at a, at an open um, auction house. So everybody in the world had a chance to bid on it. And, um, you know, I saw that item and I just, you know, I, I had the winning bid. So there's, <laughs> there's no grand story um, involved in that one. But the Batman packs, um, I really like. And then the other thing, again, is probably not a surprise to some people who know me, but um, I mentioned earlier, I like the Minnesota Twins. So I have a number of rack packs and cello packs, some through the 60s. 70s, 80s, they have uh, my favorite Minnesota Twins player showing. Kirby Puckett, Harmon Killebrew, Rod Carew, Burt Blylevin. Those guys on top of you know some packs I really like. Um, I have a 1962 cello pack with, with Harmon Killebrew on top. So that, that, that one's pr pr That's pretty cool. cool. What, uh, what is, what is your, on your wish list? Is there something that, that you'd really like to add to your collection this year? Yeah, there is. Um, I mentioned I like the PC cello packs and rack packs. Um, I have a hole in my rack pack run for Topps racks. Um, I do not have a 1969 Topps baseball rack. I have 67, 68, 70, 71, 72, 73, etc. But I'm missing 1969. So that that's one that's on the watch list. Um, and they they show up from time to time. So um, I. I keep thinking oh, one of these days I'll, I'll land one. It hasn't happened yet, but th I think that's an item that I will be able to acquire at some point. Are you active with all the auction houses, you know, the memory lanes and goldens and such and kind of, because a lot of that stuff shows up in their Correct. auctions, right? Yes. Um, and that's where, yeah, most of the times where if you're going to find something like that, you're talking 60s unopened, unless you know a private collector with it, you're really only recourse to buy that stuff and it's through the major auction houses. So, yeah, I, I do um, um, frequently visit those places. And um, yeah, so that, that's where I'm guessing if I'm going to get a 69 rack, that's that's likely where, where it's going to show up at. What was the last thing you picked up like at the national? What was, what was the, what was the, a nice find? Cause you know, at the national, you can wander and find kind of a lot of cool stuff there. The national this year, I had a pretty unique uh, item. I was able to purchase and then immediately sell it to um, a real good friend of mine. Cause I knew he wanted it more to more than me. Um, had a guy walk up to my booth with a partial box of 1970 tops hockey packs oh, wow. um, early 70s hockey is extremely rare really tough and this guy i think he had 18 packs in, in the box with a thing full box would have been 24 packs i think he had 18 and um beautiful packs really hard to find and was able to to make that purchase and then <laughs> immediately um Get, get the purchase to my friend who um, is a way bigger ho hockey collector than me. Um, but that was a, a very unique and very cool item. I was able to um, come across the table at this year's national. You're a better man than me. Cause I would have purchased that and then it would never <laughs> seen the light of day. I like, like, no one's getting that from me. That goes oh, well. Back 
here here's well here's where it comes back to, to to me so what he had an item that I, I i wanted to and i was able to wrangle part of that deal was i got a another 66 tops batman cello pack in return as part of the the, the champion back and forth we I, we ended up with, with, with something we wanted i got yeah i love i love the late 60s uh tv stuff the you know the, the flair hogan's heroes and the three stooges and uh all, all those kind of cool old tv uh cards the planet of the apes cards and some of the, the st stuff that tops put out even the stuff like you know the welcome back cotter and uh Mork and Mindy and some even some of that stuff is still kind of cool and what amazes me you know because I was a kid I was collecting all those Star Wars cards and all that stuff and now they're just they're they're out of out of sight if you want to buy an unopened Star Wars card it's it's crazy yeah you know that I, I'm glad you said that um in the unopened world it it was pretty recently where the non-sport stuff even the 60s stuff I mean, it just wasn't worth that much. It wasn't a lot of people after it. Didn't bring a lot of money, even though you knew some of it was rare. They like even like the 66 Batman packs up until real recently. I mean, I could buy those for a few hundred bucks a piece. Um, but now either people have realized how rare they are. Or there's more people wanting them combination. I don't know. But that market has has picked up a lot of heat and has gotten a lot more expensive just just recently um and part part of the uniqueness of that you know compared to say if we're talking 1966 we'll say batman again yeah you know, i don't know how much 1966 tops baseball was produced but i know the batman had to be produced at a lot less quantity sure um and the same thing with if it's hogan's heroes or planet of the apes you know the non-sport stuff was just made a lot less quantity so i, I think there's it's harder to find um and there's not as many issues like if you want like i said a batman product vintage batman pack we only really have one choice you know it's not like um you know baseball hell tops had you know all through you could buy tops from every single year if you want a batman pack it's 1966 or if you want star trek it's 1976 or you know james bond had 66 i mean there's just not a lot, a lot of those only had had one year that you could pick from so um, those popular years, Star Wars, you know, 77 Star 77 Wars. 77 Star Wars, forget it. Up. I mean, it's, it, it went nuts. I mean, that stuff up until about 12 months ago, you could buy a first series Star Wars back for a few thousand bucks. And now it's 10, 12, 15,000. I know it, it's crazy. I mean, it, the, the health of the hobby is outstanding. And I love that there's a lot more people into it. We're talking with uh, Kurt Christensen. Kurt is the unopened pack expert. He is the vintage guy. If you have any questions about unopened packs, he is the man. Kurt, why don't you give people uh, your website again? Let them know how they can find you on social media. If you want to give out your email address, uh, please. Okay, thanks, Jeff. Yeah, one more time. The website is rippingvintagepacks.com. Um, there is a contact tab on there that will give email addresses, um, et cetera. Also, uh, all my usually all my updates, if you're on Facebook, um, if you uh, in the Facebook search bar, Facebook search ripping vintage packs, you'll see my Facebook page that shows up. Um, that's where all the updates are at um, YouTube. If you YouTube search ribbing vintage packs, my um, YouTube page will show up. Um, but um, 
that should have all my contact info. I'm, I'm usually pretty uh, available for phone calls, text messages, and all that stuff's available there for, for you to get. Um, if you're interested in a collector's, a lot of collector's knowledge and trying to look at and buy potentially or even learn about unopened material. You mentioned earlier the Facebook group that I'm an administrator in. Um, this Facebook group is called Vintage Wax and Packs. Um, if you search that Facebook group, um, you'll have to request to join. But there's about 10, there's a little over 10,000 members in that group right now. I remember I joined that group when there was 30, 30 40 yeah. people in there. I think um, I've been a member for two years in it. Guys, it's a great, great group. These guys love vintage stuff. I want open stuff. This, uh, I learned so much just uh, watching it. I wish I could, I, I could post because I'd be embarrassed to post my stuff compared to some of the stuff that these guys post, but I learned so much from these guys. They're, they're a great, a great group of guys and you have a lot of active people. It's not just one or two people posting. It's a really good group. There's a number of great guys. I've met so many friends through that group. And I think the best thing about that group, as I alluded to earlier, um, there's a lot of bad product in this section of the hobby. And there's a lot of knowledgeable people in that Facebook group. And it's pretty common sight for somebody to post a picture of an item or and say, hey, guys, can you give me your opinion on this? Yeah. Do you think it's legit or not legit? And of course, nobody can guarantee anything through pictures. But some of the knowledge in that group, I say you can weed out 90, 95% of the bad stuff with some knowledge in that group. So it, it, it's a great resource um, to, to, to help out the collectors. Yeah, I, I, again, I learned so much. I, I'm, a, I'm such a novice in terms of, of it. And uh, I'm a guy that before I, I got into, got in educated, I'd be the guy that would go on Facebook and buy this stuff, not knowing if it was real or not. But now, now, now I, I have enough knowledge to be dangerous, if you know what I mean. So I really appreciate your time today. I thank you. I know it's busy season. Kurt is, uh, has his own farm and he is uh, in uh, harvesting time. So to take out uh, you know, some time to share, share his knowledge with us and his expertise is really appreciated. Uh, Kurt, uh, you know, keep in touch. Uh, you know, we, we, I love learning about this stuff and uh, it, it's so much fun. I was telling somebody the other day that um, wax packs, I open them because it's kind of a time capsule for me. So when I open a, uh, you know, I open a, I don't open old stuff, but if I open a junk, a junk wax pack in 88 or an 89 tops card, I flip through them and I remember these guys and I, you know, I'm an autograph guy. So I, I send a lot out to get autographs. And so it's, it's always, it's a ton, yeah, wax, wax packs are a time capsule for me. So, yeah, I love it. So the, the friends and the memories I've made since I've been a, a an open collector, um, I mean, this, this, this it, it's truly been a blessing. So it's a great group of guys, a great niche to be in. All right, guys, check it out. It's called rippingvintagepacks.com. Check out his website. Also on Facebook, it's Vintage Wax and Packs. It's a great group. You have to apply um, to be a member of it, but join it. It's a, it's a fun group. So Kurt Christensen, thank you very much for your time, and I wish you the best. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it. Well, that wraps up another edition of TTM Cast, your sports collectibles podcast, where we talk TTM cards, autographs, collecting, and a whole lot more. My name is Jeff Baker, and I have been your host of the program. And I was joined by my co-host, Mr. TTM himself, Mr. Drew Pelto. Drew, we nailed another one. We wrapped up October. We did. Yeah, it's just been flying right by, and hey, I'm good with that. <laughs> Why don't you remind people where they can find you on your YouTube YouTube channel and 
uh, I know you're posting all the time with those cool videos. Yeah, you can find me on YouTube. It's just called Drew's Autographs. It's youtube.com slash Drew Pelto. Or just go and check out my website at dfwgrapher.com. There's all sorts of info on there on where to find me, whether it's through YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, info about the sets I'm collecting, all that kind of stuff. Just right there at dfwgrapher.com. True. It's, it's Halloween. Do you have any plans for Halloween? Going to go see a show tonight. It's going to be a um, band called... It's this band called uh, Here Come the Mummies. And... Uh, what they do is they dress up as mummies and they play these uh, total double entendre funk songs. And their stuff is absolutely hilarious, but also, I mean, just great musicianship as well. Found out about them through this uh, the radio show, The Bob and Tom Show. They've been guests on there a couple times and absolutely love their appearances there. So it's like, all right, I've got to see them. And it just so happens that they line up everything perfectly that their nationwide tour comes to Dallas on Halloween itself. So uh, that's really great. Definitely looking forward great. to that. And you're not going to the Dallas show, right? You're not going to Dallas show. No, I'm gonna have to skip that unfortunately this time. So I'm gonna miss out on that this weekend. But I'm gonna try to get to whatever their next one is. Probably, I would guess December is probably gonna be their next one. So I'm gonna try to get out to that. And you got any collecting uh, or autograph stuff planned for the week? I don't. I'm probably gonna try to write up a few if I can. Um, no in-person stuff. We uh, the Rangers camp just came to an end, so uh, nothing left there. I've got. I know they're gonna be doing some kind of a toy drive event coming up soon. So. Depending on what players they have out there, I might try to go out and do that. But uh, that's still about a month off yet. So, yeah, I don't really uh, don't really have anything planned just yet. And how's your wife doing with the new guitar? She's she's good. She's enjoying that. She's definitely uh, messing around with that a little bit and having fun with it. She keeping the neighbors up, I hope. Fortunately, we are actually very well insulated on sound here, it seems <laughs> like. Because, I mean, I'm able to put my bass up to about a six or so. And it's like, all right, it's not rattling the windows yet. I don't think they can hear me next door or down below us. I think we're all right. So, yeah. Cool. Well, um, you have a great week. I want to thank uh, Kirk Christensen for joining us. We, uh, it was, it was, uh, I hope you enjoyed the interview as much as I did talking with him and learning about uh, vintage wax. And uh, Kurt is the expert. If you have any questions, just reach out to him. His website, again, is uh, rippingvintagepacks.com. You can check that that out. He's um, got all sorts of stuff for sale there. And they also have... Um, case pack breaks and, 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 and box breaks if you want to take part in that. Um, we've got all sorts of fun stuff. We've got TTM collector Aaron Linton on next week and we're, uh, we we talked to him. We've got all, all sorts of stuff in the works in terms of uh, bringing on some new guests. Um, I will report back on my uh, Patriots alumni event and hopefully I get uh, some cool autographs at that, and then uh, we'll be, we're going to be going to the show next week. So I will, uh, pro I think next next show I'll actually be able to report back on the the show because we're going to record after I go to the show. So we'll be able to uh, report back on that as well. And um, we got all sorts of TTM requests out there, and there's all sorts of fun stuff going on. I just ordered uh, some brand new TTM cast T-shirts. I placed the order this morning, so those should be coming in a couple weeks. I'll I'll have one out to you, Drew, as soon as they come in. Right. They kind of kind of got a, a new cool design. So hopefully the, you guys will like that and we'll be giving those away. And, uh, you know, we're just we're talking TTM. So let your friends know what we're doing. We talk collecting all the time. We talk TTM cards and a whole lot more. So uh, with that, we'll close out the show and wish everyone many happy returns. We'll see you next week.